Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in this space and help lead the charge toward a more decentralized web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm here today with our guest, Ty Smith. He's the managing partner at Coinbound and the host of the Crypto Marketing Show. So happy to have a fellow podcaster on the show with me and a fellow crypto marketer. So welcome, Ty. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. Let's, uh, let's do this thing. Sweet. So before we get into Coinbound, I'm curious about your background and how you got into crypto. So take me back to when you first heard about crypto. What was it about crypto that intrigued you and uh, how did you start learning about it? Sure. So I knew about Bitcoin pretty early on, like right around 2011 when it was first coming out. Never really paid a whole lot of attention to it, just like everyone else in crypto that wishes they bought in earlier. Waited a couple of years and I just have a lot of, uh, I guess I'd call them kind of like entrepreneurial friends. And one of them was working on this this software, it was a file sharing application, and he's explaining how the software works to me and just built into the kind of economics of how it was going to work. It required a transfer of funds from one person to another, and it was being done in a way that U.S. dollars was definitely not going to be a way that would work. Um, so I was kind of asking him how he was you know, going about approaching that problem, and then that kind of started the whole conversation about Ethereum, even before Bitcoin, honestly. And then that just opened the whole rabbit hole of what's possible with decentralized technology and, and money being able to be transmitted from person to person without not necessarily government oversight being the, the issue, but just without any third party um, regulator in between anyone that's in crypto and, and learned about Ethereum can say it's just insane what it's capable of. So that just really opened up my mind to like the possibilities of crypto in general. Uh, and from there, we got... We had a, a number of, of startups, some more successful than others, which I was the primarily marketing person for all of which. Um, and in the process of trying to secure agency partners and just figure out what our marketing strategy was going to be, I realized there was just no one doing it correctly. Um, there was a couple crypto marketing agencies that existed, but they they didn't really know what they were doing. Um and then the traditional agencies that were trying to get into the space just didn't spend the time to really understand what was going on in crypto. And they were just not getting the results that anyone was happy with. Um, so that's kind of my my from point A in crypto all the way to uh, starting CoinBand. Yeah, for sure. And then I'm always curious to know for people who don't come up from a finance background or from an engineering background, um, how did you go about learning about crypto in the beginning, like what were your go-to sources or and, and what are your go-to sources today? Yeah, so I actually do have a finance background. Um, I was an equity derivatives broker for, for a while on Wall Street. Um, not that that really played a huge part of it, but it's just, you know, I guess finance is something I've been interested in as well. As far as resources, a lot of Reddit, honestly, especially early on. I really got into crypto when there wasn't a whole lot of excitement going on, I guess. So you know, granted, everyone is kind of waiting for a bull run because it makes people money in a bear market. I find there's a lot less noise regarding content that's out there, like educational content. 
Um, so I just spent probably way too much time on Reddit and on forums just talking with people. I mean, there, this was like 2016, 2017, when there wasn't necessarily, you know, blogs dedicated to crypto so much and, and news sources like there is now. Um, it was a lot of trying to figure it out on your own, which I guess is just how things went. Um, a lot of YouTube, a lot of podcast content. Yeah, for sure. There's still a lot of that today, I would say, like sorting through the noise on Reddit and crypto Twitter. But uh, there definitely are a lot more curated resources today for people to learn about this stuff. So tell us a little bit more about what Coinbound is. Obviously, you guys are a crypto marketing agency, but more specifically, like, you know, what are you guys all about? And like, what is your vision? Like, what types of companies do you work with? Uh, all of that. Sure. So we're a, you know, plain and simple, a digital marketing agency. Um, we work only with crypto companies and we always have. So we have worked with you know a lot of the largest exchanges, mobile apps like price tracking apps, softwares, basically every kind of crypto company there is. We do only the type of marketing that actually works in crypto. So crypto marketing is pretty unique from marketing in other industries. There's certain options that aren't necessarily available to us in crypto, especially back then when the the kind of I guess stigma around crypto was even stronger about it all being a scam. Like it really was a little bit, you have to be kind of creative with what we were doing with marketing. So it was a lot of grassroots style stuff with Reddit, forums, um, influencer marketing, um, all that stuff we still do, but it's a little bit more lax these days. But yeah, I'd say, you know, the largest things that we do for companies, we're going to break it down on like a level of actual strategies that we implement is influencer marketing, uh, media buying, PR, um, media and, and content production, social media management. It, it's a lot, honestly. We've grown quite a bit since we first started. Um, influencer marketing was kind of the beginning days of everything when that was really one of the only options that actually worked. Now it's a lot bigger industry, um, but we still keep true to our influencer marketing core with a lot of new things added. Yeah. What are some ways that you would say marketing in the crypto space is different from marketing in the general tech startup space? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the most obvious like way I would explain the difference is, well, I mean, first of all, you don't have the options that a, a traditional like fintech company might have things like Google ads and Twitter ads and Reddit ads, um, Snapchat ads, Instagram ads, you know, and that's, you know, there's whole businesses that build their entire marketing funnel on paid acquisition through those channels. Uh, that's not really an option for crypto companies. In the past week, Google has gotten a little more lax, maybe in the whole past month. Uh, but still, it's definitely not the same as like a normal tech startup might be able to do. Um, so we focus a lot on owned media channels. So things that can't necessarily be taken away from you, like newsletter, uh, social media, I would call as like a, a semi-owned channel. Podcast is a great one as well, which, I mean, Unstoppable Domains is clearly investing in. Another aspect is you have to be crypto native, in my opinion, to market to a crypto native audience. It's not the kind of thing that you could just like be a marketing agency and say, you know, we're going to we're going to dabble in some crypto. We're going to do some crypto clients because the language, uh, first of all, the language is almost a, you know, a barrier in itself of understanding what the hell is going on in crypto, um, especially now between NFTs and DeFi and BSC token sales and all that stuff. So you definitely have to understand the language a bit. There's also a very specific sort of like psychographic person that is in crypto, generally not super trusting of government or large entities in general. They communicate in a certain way. It's, it's a little bit of an art to reaching the crypto audience. 
Yeah, there definitely is a whole culture around it too. Like the meme culture, I think in crypto is something very unique from any other sector. And there's like the language itself that you have to learn. And then there's like the culture, like the slang. The culture is everything, yeah. honestly. It's it's the hugest part. It's the reason why so many of like Coinbound's competitors try to get into the space and fail just because they don't get it. They haven't been here long enough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then um, you mentioned social media several times. One of the questions that we got from our Twitter followers was, uh, is it true that Twitter is the only successful channel for crypto and DeFi marketing? That's from Kieran from Twitter. Yeah, I saw that from Kieran. Only? No, definitely not. It depends. Are you lumping influencer marketing into social media marketing? If so, I'd say social media marketing is probably the largest component to successful I think he said DeFi, right? It wasn't just specific to crypto. Yeah, yeah. He said he said crypto and DeFi marketing. Yeah, I would say no, but I would say it's up there with the most effective. Um, it really comes down. Crypto at one point was really like a lot of just the similar kind of products. We're at a point now, like I said, with like DeFi and NFTs, where what works for DeFi doesn't necessarily work for NFTs, which doesn't necessarily work for you know a token sale that's just starting out, or you know a price tracking mobile app, or data analytics provider in crypto like they're all, they all kind of have different ways of, of marketing correctly um whenever we take on a client obviously we spend a ton of time on onboarding um and figuring out you know what the goals are and, and what people are trying to accomplish as well as actually understanding the product which is where a lot of people fall short as well because that plays a huge role in what's actually going to work um, so social media is huge, I'd say for most. I would say especially if you're a crypto brand, you need to be on Twitter. I mean, we've done full podcast episodes on it. I think a number of them, honestly. But it's certainly not the only. Yeah, for sure. And I'm curious, like, how you would rank the different social media channels or how would you bucket them in terms of, you know, if, say, my company is a DeFi company or I'm an NFT project or whatever, how would you match the different sectors of crypto with the different social media channels and like which ones are most important for which sectors? Uh, for the majority of them, Twitter is absolutely the most important. For NFTs are the only one that I would say pay a little bit attention to um, Instagram, just because the NFT audience has a, a pretty significant overlap with the art audience, which is primarily on not Twitter, but Instagram. But for the majority of, of crypto clients, we tell them to focus on Twitter just because that's where the entire community is. It's, it's, it's very much become the de facto social media platform of crypto. Yeah. And then how do you view like Facebook and LinkedIn and the others? Is it sort of just irrelevant? I would say LinkedIn is great for the same reasons that it's great in other industries, not necessarily as like a marketing platform, but as more of like a biz dev platform. If you're trying to, you know, network with people. Um, we don't do a whole lot with LinkedIn just because, like I said, we're not a biz dev agency. We're a marketing agency. Facebook and Instagram, honestly, the organic reach on those is pretty low these days. Um, we find just way more impact on on Twitter and even like YouTube content. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and something else I found interesting is I saw on your homepage that the, one of the first things it mentions is virality. That's something that, you know, I know companies like BuzzFeed have really paid attention to, like, how do we make content go viral? What is your strategy or like any tips you can share? Is there like a formula for virality? Like, how can people go viral with a piece of content? There's definitely no formula. I mean, if there was, then there'd be a lot of agencies focused on just making things go viral. I mean, I, I saw it was like it was a great write up. I, I think it was an ad week about the virality of that. Um, I don't know the guy's name, but, you know, the TikTok guy that was drinking the like, what was it? A fruit punch on the skateboard and like why that went viral and other things didn't. And it was pretty interesting. But no, there's definitely no formula. I would say 
a good product helps a lot. You know, great marketing is needed for a good product to go viral, but great marketing doesn't make up for a bad product and it's not going to make it go viral, honestly. I would say it comes down to a mix of both good product, good marketing, meaning good messaging and making it really easy for people to understand in like a second, because that's how our like lizard brains work on social media. You have like two seconds, if that, to capture someone's attention and get them to act on it, um, which is then going to get them to like it, which is how all the algorithms work these days, which is going to make it go viral. And then third, just having the right people engaging. So it, it definitely helps if you're in sort of these more like connected circles that are just constantly engaging with your content already. Because if you have like, you know, a big name in crypto liking and retweeting, and if you, let's say you have five of those people liking and retweeting something that you posted, uh, it's going to go viral. People are going to see it. It just becomes a question of, can you get those people on board with your product and get them to do what you want them to do? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then when you think about, you know, the, the marketing campaigns that you've designed for your clients, obviously, each campaign is different depending on the goals of the client. But are there any commonalities between marketing campaigns you've designed for clients that have been the most successful ones? Um, yeah, again, of course, you know, it always depends on the client. Um, we've had a ton of success with influencer marketing just because of the time that we spend in understanding the product and then matching the products up with the right influencers that have the right audience. I think that's really overlooked and a lot of people don't spend the time to do that. I mean, we've had a number of, of clients because of, of the, the influencer content that we've created for them, you know, temporarily shut down registrations and something which is like exactly what you want to hear when you're a marketing agency is that you brought a client to capacity of onboarding new new users. That's great. I mean, content production in general goes a long way, whether it's podcast content or blog content or educational content. It really depends where the client is when we start working with them. Some come to us day one and some come to us year five and just need like an extra push into a certain market. Um, but there's a lot of tools in crypto marketing. You just have to kind of apply them at the right time and place. What would you say is the hardest thing about marketing in the crypto sector? People are very jaded, very jaded, especially people that have been in the industry for a long time. You really, really have to not only get a new product in front of them, but explain in a, in a true way why this product is different and better and isn't going to leave the crypto industry in a couple months. That's one thing. You know, Another part for people that aren't already in crypto that are trying to get into crypto marketing is... Um, like I said, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a language barrier between, you know, not, not that you have, to, you have to speak English or anything like that, but you have to speak crypto in a sense. That's definitely a, a barrier. And I mean, also, if you're going to take on a client that's doing a lot of like interesting tech stuff, which honestly are the most exciting clients to work with, you have to either you personally have a tech background or have someone on your team that could break down the tech concepts to the rest of the team so that they can actually go and, and do their jobs of marketing it correctly. Yeah, I was going to ask how, like, what percentage of your time would you say you spend on just like educational content or like marketing that revolves around educating the customers about like what the product even is? I would say most. I would say most of the work that we do is in some shape or form educating people on, on not only getting awareness to a product or, or service, but explaining what it is. Like we're, we're so early in this industry still that you can't just go and say like, yeah, we have a new soda. Like everyone knows what soda is. Like we're marketing something that doesn't exist. There's not, we're not marketing Pepsi in a world that Coke already exists. We're marketing like purple colored oranges like that the world has never seen before. 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, that's something that I struggle with every day in my job and I'm constantly thinking about like, what, how do we explain this in simple terms that everybody understands? And I think I think one of the most useful tactics that I found is to try to analogize things that are happening in this crypto world with things that are happening in our traditional world. Because whenever you compare something to something that people think they already know, then they're a lot more likely to, you know, be receptive to it or be interested in it or, you know, think they can understand that. So yeah, definitely, especially with, with you know, DeFi has grown like crazy in the past like year and a half. Um, it's great to always compare that to because you, you start explaining that like a smart contract, first of all, you say smart contract and people aren't listening if they're not in the crypto world. But you, you try to explain to people like how a smart contract works and how it's able to perform the functions of a bank without any intermediary. And they are totally lost already. So to just say that it's a bank and take out all the tech behind it sometimes works. It's you know a little bit of like not selling the whole product. But again, that's that's why we spend so much time with people with with clients in the beginning because it depends who we're not only the product but who we're going after. Are we trying to educate uh, an audience that's brand new to crypto, or are we trying to educate like an institutional investor that understands this stuff and just needs to hear like the tech side of things? Yeah, and to to your point about like the finance stuff too, and to sort of push back on my own point that I just made is in trying to compare what's happening in this new world with the old world. I realize that like there is a huge lack of financial education in our current world. And there's a huge lack of understanding and knowledge of the internet, of all the things we're building. And this is this is true for myself as well. Like once I started learning about Web3, I was like, wow, I know very little about like Web1 and Web2, you know? And so I think there's a lot of not just educating yourself on the new stuff, but then also backtracking and educating yourself on the old stuff to catch up to where we even are today so that you, you can learn about the new stuff. Yeah, I, I personally, and that's a conversation that honestly I have a lot, not only with myself, but with like, like peers, is that do you really need to understand the specifics of how blockchain works to understand like DeFi? And the answer is kind of like, it depends. Like you don't really, I mean, you don't have to understand how code works to use the internet. And that's a lot of what we're doing is is trying to remove the need to understand the specific, because a lot of people, honestly, they come to us and they're like, they're coders, they're developers, they're not marketers. So they've built this crazy, innovative new technology that no one's ever seen before. And then you ask them to explain it and they explain it in a way that just it's impossible to understand um, if you're not a developer. So we spend a lot of time with people like that to just get messaging correct. And it's it's honestly a vital component to doing any marketing in crypto because you can spend a ton of money. But if you're spending a ton of money getting a message in front of people that they're not going to understand, you're wasting your money. Yeah, for sure. I think it totally depends like who you are, right? Like if, if you're a coder, if you're a dev, then I, I do think it's important to understand the inner workings of how the internet works today and then how blockchain technology works. If you're just an average Joe, a non-technical person, there's no reason for you to have to understand how blockchain technology works from the back end. Just like you probably have no idea how the internet works on the back end either. You just like type in google.com, something pops up and that's like all you need to know. But I, I do think you you have to understand something about history, like whatever it is that you're working in. And so for me, like, I think it's really important for non-technical people even to understand where we came from with the web in terms of like, what was the original intent of the web, which I think the original intent of the web was very similar to what the intent of building out web three is now understanding that then you'll want to go back and dive into, well, where did we go wrong? Because clearly we're not like where we wanted to be, which is why we're trying to like 
backtrack and reinstate this original intentionality with the future of the web because we failed. So I, I do think it's important to study history and, and learn where we came from so we don't repeat the same mistakes. But yeah, you're totally right. Like people that get caught up in, you know, understanding, well, how does like the, all these blocks on the chain actually work? Like it doesn't really matter. Like just understand that it works. I wouldn't say the way the current internet exists is a failure by any means. I think we're at a really honestly exciting time of the internet where it seems like we're not early to the internet, but we are. I mean, when we were born, the internet was not really that it wasn't really a thing, at least in a way, like anywhere close to where it is now. Um, and the internet was originally designed to connect people. That's, you know, it's the internet. Web3 is that exact tenet of let's connect people, but it's let's connect people in a more streamlined way where they don't need intermediaries. They don't need people that invested really early in the internet and are now reaping the benefits and are making the markets of what we do on the internet inefficient. Um, and that's what crypto does. That's what blockchain does. So I wouldn't say Web 2.0, like the current state of the Internet is a failure. It's just it's exactly that. It's step two where step three is about to happen. Um, you know, we're on step two and we have our foot about to step on step three. But I don't know. I, I, I love the Internet. I, I just I, I'm so intrigued by the Internet, how it currently exists in a way and, and especially where it's going, because even outside of blockchain. Um, I mean, I, I talked about blockchain all day long, but just with what social media channels are doing now with enabling content creators to monetize their audience better is awesome. Um, and I don't think they'd be making that push to enable like influencers. And I mean, Twitter, like in the past couple of months uh, announced that now if you have over 10,000 followers uh, and there's a couple other criteria, you can apply to be part of their super follower program, which means you can like basically do like paywalled content. So you can offer like premium content and people can, can pay you. I don't think they'd be doing all that stuff, which essentially takes themselves out of making money on all that like content um, if they weren't pushing that direction of crypto already knocking on that door. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So when you think about the clients that you work with, like what types of clients do you typically work with out, you know, more specific than just crypto broadly, is there a certain stage? Like, do you prefer early stage, like middle of the road sort of companies for people listening that are maybe like needing marketing help? What t What's like your ideal sort of company within the crypto space to work with? Yeah. So we've worked with honestly everything. We've worked with brand, like brand new startups that just raised money or even are bootstrapping and have nothing, like even like no marketing resources. And they need us to really come in and do the whole strategy and make sure that they're being efficient with their marketing resources. That's always exciting. I, I mean, as someone who bootstrapped Coinbound, I'm always excited by companies that are really early on. We've also worked with, I mean, like eToro and OKCoin and Shapeshift and MetaMask, companies that are, you know, well into their maturity. Those engagements look a little bit different. I enjoy those because we get to speak with people that are on the marketing teams there that can share information with us. I'm, I, I enjoy learning just crypto marketing stuff in general, and I, I'm certainly a student of it. So there's perks to both. I would say there's more excitement that goes into taking a product from launch, whereas it's a little bit, I guess we can learn a lot more from established brands who've already figured out a lot of what makes their brand work. And we can you know, take the learnings from that and apply it to companies that haven't yet figured that out, um, which is a lot of the value add that, that we bring. Yeah. So for a company that's listening, that's brand new, they maybe don't have a marketing strategy yet. What would you say for a brand new crypto company is the most important thing or, you know, maybe top three or five things that they do in the marketing realm initially? I would get your messaging down pat, first of all, 
like I said, it's just it's just not going to be as efficient everything else that you spend time and money on if it's not easy for people to understand what you're doing. I'd make the website super obvious, and that kind of ties in with messaging as, as far as making sure your copy is good. I would certainly open a Telegram and Twitter account as soon as possible. Um, even if you can't fully devote the resources to that, at least have that. Um, you're not going to, you know, it's free. You're not going to miss out on anything by doing it. If you're bootstrapping, I would definitely focus on Twitter. Again, it's free, and, and that's where the whole crypto audience is. Um, and I'm a huge fan of building in public. So, like, when people launch a product, they're 5% there. They're not where they're going to be in five years. Um, people definitely enjoy being part of the journey of seeing every new feature built, seeing how a team deals with bugs and deals with like bumps in the road. That for me makes me respect a brand a lot when they kind of show their flaws and show that they're not the experts in everything and they're you know a, a work in progress. Those are some things I would start right off the bat, uh, and I would also just consume as much possible content regarding crypto marketing in general and, and just kind of seeing what other brands are doing that are similar. Cause again, we're at a point where, you know, there, when we first started, it was like, you're a crypto brand. Now it's like, you're an NFT brand, you're a DeFi brand, you're a whatever Binance smart chain brand. That's what I would do. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's great advice. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about your podcast, the crypto marketing show. How did you get the idea for that? When, when did you start it? Why did you decide to start it? Uh, tell, tell us more about the podcast. Yeah, so I started it when there was no content on crypto marketing. There was nothing. I was trying to learn, and like I said, I spent a ton of time on the, on the internet, like doing self-learning in the department of how to market a crypto brand or company. There was just nothing out there. So a lot of it comes back to learning. You know, we got to talk with kind of interesting people within Coinbound, and, and it kind of forced us to address some like questions that we're always thinking about regarding you know, what's the best way to structure a Twitter account and how many times should you be tweeting and you know does event-based marketing work so we like to break down the podcast into like almost chapters of a book that you can go back and, and touch on um, at any point when it's relevant to you rather than sit down through like an hour-long interview which is great you know in, in some formats but it's just not how we want to structure it you know that's a lot of what we did we also I mean there we the, the competitors that we have the crypto market they're not necessarily the most trustworthy in some cases, like they're not necessarily like super reputable and don't really care so much about the results of their clients. A lot of the decision to start that podcast was just to kind of show like we actually do care and we actually spend a ton of time internally addressing these questions and sharing what we find out with our clients. And it's been a lot of fun, honestly. I mean, it, it works great for us as far as like a top of, uh, I guess, a middle funnel um, of our marketing funnel, but it's also just for personal development. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So how do you get ideas for the types of content that you want to put up there? Is it sort of just like whatever you're dealing with at the moment? Do you jot down notes as things come up and record? Or how do you like organize your thoughts and ideas for what to talk about next? Yeah. So the majority of my day, you know, at this point, we have, you know, a, a, a growing team. Um, a lot of my day is more focused on like the strategy and consulting side of things. And in that process, we get asked a ton of questions from companies um, when we get asked, you know, the same question multiple times, I'll make a note of it and say, like, you know, this is something people want to know about. They're clearly not able to find this information on their own. Maybe we should discuss it. Um, and at the same time, just sometimes things just pop into my head or someone on the team's head um, about something that might be fun to cover. Um, you know, we just we just came back from the, the conference in Miami um, and there was a ton of just really interesting case studies on like how to market in like event based markets. 
and we kind of broke down, you know, the different marketing that we saw, what we thought, what we liked, what we didn't like. It's fun. I don't know. The podcast is fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I, I love doing the podcast. Uh, what are your favorite episodes if you have any? Um, I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed the Bitcoin one. There was a time where we were really scripting everything we were doing on the podcast, like almost like as if like I was writing like a chapter, like again, a chapter of a textbook on crypto marketing. Um, more recently, we've gotten a little less scripted and just kind of been bullet pointing things out and discussing it at length. Those I like a lot because they're there's just it's just more casual. Lately, we've had um, our head of social media on a lot of the episodes who who does great, you know, um, work on social media. Um, so having her on discussing social media has been just a lot of learning for me because that's not my expertise so much as it is hers. So I definitely enjoy the social media ones. I enjoy when we discuss influencer marketing just because it's something that we spend so much time on. We, we've done this the same episode twice in two different bear markets, but we did episodes on how to market in a bear market. Um, because the, the whole situation changes, like uh, the pricing of influencers changes, um, the amount of noise changes, the marketing strategies that work changes. That's a podcast I've always enjoyed recording. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you think it's easier or harder to market in a bear run? I think it's easier, honestly. Um, Why? It's There's just so much less noise. It's so much easier to get like people on the phone. Um, people get overwhelmed quickly because they build, you know, I'm talking about like influencers and agencies and just clients and, and companies. They are often reluctant to build out an infrastructure that addresses the full need of a bull run, which means when the bull run is in full swing, they're understaffed. In a bear run, they're a lot more likely to, I guess, spend more time collaborating with other people in the industry, um, which for me is more fun. And I also respect, you know, just personally, I, I definitely respect more the companies that are here during a, a bear run. But yeah, it's an issue of noise and, and costs come down pretty significantly as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know you guys don't have guests, like you don't do guest interviews other than just like bringing on other people from Coinbound. But if if you were to start interviewing people on the podcast one day, who would be like your dream guest? Oof, I can only pick one. I'll give you three picks. I would pick the Uniswap team um, just because they did some incredible work where they basically came out of nowhere. Like it almost seemed like overnight success. I don't know if you remember that, but they basically came out of nowhere and changed crypto with their product. This is like a bad one to say, but I would almost choose like safe moon and some of these like meme coins just because like it's like there's so many of them that it's interesting to see why certain ones worked out better than others with marketing i mean i know it comes down mostly to tiktok influencer marketing but still that's not like the most groundbreaking marketing strategy and a lot of people have tried it and failed they didn't the hoge finance guys i've been meaning to have on just because they have spent like zero dollars on marketing and built a really passionate community and then I'd also like to have on, you know, maybe like Brad Michelson, who heads marketing for, for eToro US, just because I know he's, you know, he, he has a similar mindset to me as far as trying to just figure out all this crypto marketing stuff. Um, but yeah, I would like to bring on everyone, honestly, that's, that's talking crypto marketing, just because it's like a learning process. Yeah, 100%. Like anytime I bring on a podcast host, I always ask them this question, do you like hosting a podcast or being a guest more? I like hosting more. 
I like learning. And, and when you're the host, you get to ask the questions more. Um, yeah, I would definitely pick hosting. Being a guest, it, being, I mean, being a guest is fun too. You still get to learn and, and you get to kind of like, I don't know, figure things out in your head as you're answering questions that you never maybe were asked before. But yeah, I like to host. We're launching another podcast. Um, we're in the process of it right now. It's called This Is Crypto. It's going to be non-specific to crypto marketing. It's just going to be with thought leaders and influencers and people that have you know a, a say in the crypto space, um, which I'm looking forward to doing you know the hosting of that. Nice, nice. Yeah, out of everybody I've asked who's a podcast host that have, has come on the podcast, not a single person said that they like being a guest more. So I think hosts are just made for hosting. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's more work, I guess. <laughs> like you have to like, pre- I mean, you guys did a fantastic job, honestly, better than like most people of the you know the podcast that I'll go on as far as like, the, you know, sending us the document as far as like how we're going to record everything and, and stuff, which is great. Um, sometimes it's not so easy and it's a little bit of like an anxiety provoking occurrence. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so moving out, you know, more broadly talking about the future of crypto, how do you see the crypto market evolving over, let's say, like the next year or two? NFTs are here to stay, for sure. We see such significant institutional interest from just like household gigantic brands that are really not only considering getting into crypto and, and getting into NFTs, but like they're getting into crypto and they're getting into NFTs. I am more confident in this industry than I ever have been. I, I honestly don't look at the price of Bitcoin or, or things too frequently. It just it's, doesn't matter to me. I look at things on a much longer timeline, which is just up. I mean, people don't join crypto and then leave crypto. Like it, it's, it's incredible what has been created in the past couple of years. And it's going to change everything. I mean, it already is. So if you're asking me regarding, you know, where is price going to be in the next couple of years? I have no idea. If you're asking me where the tech's going to be, it's going to be probably like the back layer. Maybe not so obvious that companies are using crypto and, and blockchain for certain things. Or maybe it's not so obvious that something that you're buying is an NFT, but it's going to be there. It's going to be, you know, involved in, in our daily lives. So I think this is a perfect segue into our next segment, which is ex- called Explain Your Tweet. This is where I dig through your Twitter and pull out some oh, tweets fantastic. that are interesting or cryptic. Uh, but you, the first two tweets I had pulled out, actually, you just sort of alluded to. So the first one is from July 12th, 2021. It's a quote tweet. The original tweet said, there will come a day when more people own Bitcoin than stocks. And you said, that day is coming sooner than later. So I just wanted like a timeline prediction from you. Like, w- when is that going to happen? I have, I have no idea. Um... Your best educated guess. More people own Bitcoin than stocks. Well, it's important to understand that stocks are stocks in the U.S. But owning equities is is largely a U.S. phenomenon in terms of people trusting the market the way they do. Um, Bitcoin is global. Bitcoin can be used. I mean, there's a whole economy of Bitcoin being used now in El Salvador. I think very quickly once Bitcoin, I think we're at a point where Bitcoin is no longer the currency of scammers it's the currency of the internet um and it's the gold of the internet meaning an inflation hedge in a sense i would put it in i don't know 10 years 10 years okay yeah that might even be conservative honestly i mean my guess would be sooner than that for sure but i guess we'll see yeah We'll see. All right. This next tweet I've got is from July 11th. You said, what brand or company do you most want to see get involved in crypto that isn't yet? So I just want to throw that question back at you and ask you that. What company I want to see get involved in crypto? 
Oof. I mean, the NFL is getting involved in crypto. I've always thought like digital trading cards are absolutely going to be a thing sooner rather than later. We've had a lot of really interesting conversations, again, with like household brands that are getting into crypto. I probably can't discuss them because of NDAs, but there's like definitely very cool companies getting in. I would love to see someone actually commented this and it got me thinking. I would love to see like NASA, like, you know, like the this whole space initiative starting using crypto for, you know, Internet of Things payments, just global currency payments. I don't know. I think that'd be pretty cool to see. Yeah, for sure. That'd be sweet. All right. And I've got one final tweet for you. This is from July 7th. You said this is a great time for people new to crypto to enter the space. Lots of available resources, accessible entry prices, less noise, start slow and do your research. So for any newbies listening to this who are, you know, don't really know anything about crypto, but they're curious, what would you say are the best ways for a newbie to just start getting some exposure in the space without, you know, overwhelming themselves and burning themselves out? Yeah, I would watch a lot of YouTube content and I would stick to very specific YouTube channels, not the ones that are talking about token price or what's going to be the next 100x coin or anything like that. I would focus on ones that are doing more like this is what DeFi is. This is what an NFT is stuff that don't really have like sponsored content involved. That's how I learn is is visually and, and through YouTube content. So that's just what I assume a lot of people are like. I would say like go and actually read like the Bitcoin white paper and Ethereum white paper, but I think that puts a lot of people off and I don't think you necessarily have to understand that stuff at this point to participate in a meaningful way. I would say the best way to really understand crypto is buying some, not a lot, just a little bit to kind of play around with, maybe buy, you know, $50 of Bitcoin or Ethereum or maybe both, um, send it to a hardware wallet. Um, if you buy some Ethereum, try interacting with like Compound or Aave or some DeFi protocols, uh, buy a, a cheap NFT, learn by trying, but do it with the expectation that whatever you're putting into it in the early stages, you might lose because uh, not because of scammers or anything, just because it honestly, it is a little bit of a complicated thing to learn. Um, and in a world where a transaction is permanent and irreversible, it's very easy to accidentally, you know, put a, like mess up a number in an address or something like that and then lose your money. Um, but once you've been doing it for a while, it's I mean, it's crazy how how fun it is to be in this industry. Yeah. What what are some of the good YouTube channels you can direct people to just because it can be hard to like find there's so much content. It'd be hard to sort through that and find the good ones. You know, I, I don't know by name. I would say there's not like a particular channel that I'm like, you have to watch this channel. I would say like, and also everyone has a different, uh, slightly different like learning style. So I would say find one that you like. Um, if anyone is talking on, on YouTube about price or price expectations, it's probably not a good channel. It's probably a sponsored like channel. Listen to podcasts is also great. Uh, there's more beginner friendly uh, podcasts, which are obviously better for beginners. Yeah, I don't know. I would just consume as much content as possible and then buy a little bit of crypto. For sure. For sure. I agree with all of the above. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ty, for taking the time to join us today. Before you go, just tell people where they can find you if they want to connect with you personally. And then also tell people where they can go to uh, get in touch with Coinbound. And also if there's anything new or exciting happening for Coinbound in the, in the near future, feel free to tease that to our listeners as well. Yeah, sure. Like I said, we have that new podcast coming out. It's not necessarily so much like a Coinbound initiative as it is just a, a personal initiative. The easiest way to contact me or, or follow with me is uh, Twitter. My, my username is at Ty Daniel Smith. Um, 
And then Coinbound, our website is coinbound.io. And if you want to check out the crypto marketing podcast, it's coinbound.io slash podcast. Awesome. Thanks again, Ty, so much. Thank you listeners for tuning in. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you and thanks again for listening.